0: there
1: is a side effect of elimination diets and it's called mental health issues around food and oftentimes that can perpetuate the exact problem that we're trying to fix
0: this is the alchemized life podcast i'm your host ava johanna and i am so grateful to have you here joining me for yet another soul expansive conversation My intention with every episode is to show you through storytelling and in-depth conversations that you, yes you, are capable of creating anything you desire. Alongside yours truly, you'll hear from thought leaders and industry voices, and together we will teach you how to come alive in your authentic expression and remember the infinite power of your soul. We're covering topics like wealth, worthiness, the pursuit of your passions, and you'll be inspired to break all the rules of living an ordinary life. You were truly put on this planet to have it all, the thriving spiritual practice, the steamy relationship, the income, and the impact. So together, let's align with our divine selves and alchemize your life. Welcome back, you guys. I hope that you all had an amazing weekend and are still vibing so high from last week's episode. I have absolutely loved all the feedback around the manifestation process using meditation and breathwork. If you guys are tuning into The Alchemist Life for the first time, I did a solo episode last week all about breathwork and meditation and really moving beyond beyond stress management so you can manifest all of your wildest dreams into your reality simply by using these tools. So it's a really, really great episode. It's a little bit shorter than usual because it is a solo ep, but I wanted to, before we into today's episode with Soshi Adelstein, share a little bit more that came up for me this morning in my meditation practice. You know, this idea of intuition, and we actually talk about intuition in today's episode in regards to eating and your body, Um, so this actually ends up going in perfectly to the conversation today with Soshi, but you know, when we talk about intuition and when I first started thinking about how I wanted to become more intuitive, I really only looked at it from this perspective of being guided and knowing which step to take and knowing, you know, what to do, what to say, where to go, etc. But intuition is really so much more than that. Like so much more than that, you guys. Intuition is not only just being guided or not just knowing. Intuition is also remembering. It is rebirthing and i had this beautiful vision of a phoenix just rising from the ashes and so this rebirthing or this waking back up to your own soul and that's kind of where the remembering comes from and even more than that intuition is this guidance of the human experience so your soul can expand for your soul's expansion and finally Intuition is also the, the divinity inside of you. It is the recognizing that you are God in human form, you are a divinity, you are the universe in human form, whatever word you want to use. And as I was sitting in meditation, having these words and these messages just, you know, flow into my mind and into my heart, I just thought about how beautiful it is to just have this connection. Because, It doesn't ever feel like I'm alone. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? It's like we go through life sometimes feeling so alone externally and then also internally in our struggles and our challenges and the opportunities. We feel so alone, but you were never really alone. I was never really alone. No one was actually ever really alone. And intuition is that presence. And for me, you know... Why I preach meditation and breathwork all the time is because I find that those are some of the only tools that really allow you to connect to your intuition. These are some of the only tools that allow you to have a conversation consistently, daily, and easily with the universe or with God or with your highest self. And that daily conversation is just a daily reminder of not being alone, of being supportive, of being guided, of having love pour into you and your oneness and I just think that that's so beautiful and it just brings me so much joy and and um trust and faith and belief in absolutely everything in my life and that's why I'm so you know (laughs) so passionate about these tools because I'm like damn this is amazing this is life-changing you guys this is life-changing And um, that's why I like sharing them so much. So anyways, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, definitely go back and listen to it. And, um, you know, if you're interested in deepening your own meditation and breathwork practice, maybe you've just started meditating or just started doing a breathwork practice and want to know more and want to dive in deeper, the Academy of Breath is still open for enrollment. And I would absolutely love to support you in this community and in this container because when you start – using these tools consistently on a daily basis. It is just this hopping onto your unicorn type of energy and creating and stepping into whatever you desire. And then being able to teach other people how to do this too. It's just like the coolest and I feel like most gentle, but yet so expansive and like fastest way to welcome in a life beyond your wildest dreams in your reality. So not just in your dreams but in your reality and to be able to have a space that you can hold for yourself and then for other people to be able to you know witness what's kept them small and then shift it and then step into their bigness is just I truly think the greatest gift that humanity has and there's a reason why we've been meditating and using breathwork pranayama for thousands and thousands of years, and if you feel a calling to dive in deeper, like I said, I'd love to support you in the Academy of Breath. So anyways, you'll find details in the show notes on the Academy of Breath. But today's episode is all about Miss Soshi Adelstein, and she's a wellness coach for women that want to make peace with food and their bodies. Through real talk and compassionate listening, she teaches you how to let go of old beliefs around dieting, eating, exercise, and weight so that you can step into new practices to support your best self now. She's a graduate of the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, or IIN, and uses intuitive eating and the health at every size approach in her coaching. She's on a mission to make sure that all women feel healthy and beautiful no matter their size, shape, or weight. So I absolutely adored this conversation with Soshi, and I just feel like, Throughout this conversation, there were just so many little agreements that I got to rip up between me, food, and my nutrition overall, thanks to the things that Sochi had shared. And so I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode today. So of course, you'll find all of the details on Soshi in the show notes, but you can also follow her on Instagram at Soshi Adelstein, that's S-O-S-H-Y-A-D-E-L-S-T-E-I-N and she is the founder of Embody Nutrition. All right, you guys, enjoy this week's episode. I'll be back next week with a solo app, and you can also tag the podcast if you guys like this episode. At The Alchemized Life. Enjoy. I'm so excited that we're doing this. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You know, we have been, like we said before we hit record, trying to organize this since like November maybe, right. or maybe even before then. And I'm a firm believer that timing is everything and timing is always perfect, even if it doesn't feel perfect. And Mm -hmm. I got to be honest, this conversation is so much more top of mind to me now that Mm -hmm. I am constantly home, constantly thinking about what it is that I'm eating, if it's best for me, if it's causing me to be bloated, if it's causing me to be constipated, TMI. But to be honest, like all of these different, like all of these different Elements of just nutrition that I never really thought about before it didn't really it was it just wasn't top of mind or now top of mind to me And so I think that that is very similar for most people that are now wow. at home Constantly not running around finally slowing down and so I'm just so excited to one start out first by hearing your journey Your experience and your story, but also how we can apply what you've learned along the way to be a little bit more mindful and intentional with how we show up, how we love our bodies and how we really intuitively approach our nutrition and and the way that we treat our bodies. So again, thank you for coming on.
1: Yeah, of course. I, I feel the same way. It's such a good time to have this conversation, especially as we have in a way more time to think about something that's so fundamental like food and body image. Um, so I'm just grateful to have this conversation, but I'll just start off with my story. So I'm Sosha Edelstein, and um, I'm a wellness coach for women that want to make peace with food in their bodies. And I practice through the lens of intuitive eating and health at every size. And so I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and I was born and raised into a Hasidic community in Brooklyn. So we were extremely kind of um, sheltered from the outside world, meaning we didn't have a TV, we didn't listen to like secular music, we were covered from the neck down. My body was always covered. Um, I only went to school with girls. Uh, I learned Hebrew for half the day and English for half the day. Like I was very, very separated from the outside world. And so when I was uh, 10, I was sexually abused by somebody that was staying in our house. And that was kind of the first experience that I had where I actively left my body because it was actually just too overwhelming and uh scary to be there in that moment um when i was 13 i started um there's i don't know if they have them in la i I bet you they do but in brooklyn we all have these little bodegas they're little like tiny delis and that's I started like going into those stores. I would go to like malls with my friends and I started buying like L Magazine, Vogue magazine, Marie Clear, all those things, all those um, magazines. And anyways, started looking in them and saw pictures of women who were like five nine and very, very thin. And I wanted to look like them. I wanted to be like them. They were sort of my way of freedom out of this world that I really in many ways did not identify with specifically, like, you know, most common family story is like every single holiday, my mom would like take us shopping for dresses and I would always be begging, like I was the hardest person to shop for. I always wanted to wear my stuff and I wanted to like go to three quarter sleeves instead of like long sleeves. And so (laughs) I just always wanted to express myself through clothes and fashion. And buying these magazines was one of the, like, it was like my way of trying to do that when I couldn't do it for myself. Um, But one of the things that happened was my body image issues started from that place. And I started to realize, like, you're never going to look like these people. And that means that you're not beautiful enough and you're not good enough. When I was 17, my mom disowned me and I... That was a very traumatic experience on me and I was really like just like kind of left to fend for myself. I was homeless and just really, really, really struggling and just trying to do everything I could to kind of survive that situation. And so I'm 19 and I'm working in the city at this point and we have this work party and somebody snaps a photo of me and at the time like digital cameras were just starting to be a thing and like two weeks later they were showing me this photo of myself and i just saw that photo and i was like nope you need to be smaller like you're fat and you need to be smaller and so i research and at the time, the Atkins diet was in, and I get on the Atkins diet, and within two weeks, I lost a bunch of weight. Everyone was complimenting me: "You look beautiful. You look fit. Whatever." And after two weeks, I had this intense craving for sugar and carbohydrates, and and I walked downstairs, and for the first time in my life, I walked up and down every single aisle and picked out like cakes, cookies, candy, sugar, whatever. Brought it up back up to my apartment and I had the first binge. In my life, I had no uh, history, no issues with food prior to that. Um, my mother never dieted. She never made comments about my body or anything like that. But after that, I started to feel really guilty and ashamed about what I just did with food. And for the next six years, I tried every single diet you could ever think of in your life. I lost and gained hundreds of pounds, and I was very addicted to exercise. And I was actually in school to become a certified holistic health coach. And I was learning about not anything that I didn't know. It wasn't anything new, but um, I was learning about all this nutrition stuff. And on the side, I was struggling tremendously with food. I was binge eating at that point, like weekly and really, really struggling with body image. I couldn't stand my body. I couldn't be in my body. I just hated looking at myself and... I was out hiking and I broke my ankle and I couldn't move. The doctor was like, don't do anything for the next five weeks. Like if you move, your your next step is surgery. And so a few days later I just had a breakdown. I hit my what people call rock bottom. And I just laid on my bed. It was like a sight. I just laid on my bed naked, not really being able to do anything because my foot was in a cast. And I just you know started praying i started howling to god universe whatever i said like if i have to go on like this i can't survive like i cannot go on i don't want to go on and within a few days i had a conversation with somebody and started going to therapy and i was introduced to the world of intuitive eating and body acceptance and within 5 months of practicing intuitive eating i stopped binge eating and I started working on body acceptance, and that was a decade ago, which is crazy to think about. And I healed my relationship with food and body and have never struggled with the same uh, weight fluctuations, food, mental health issues around food since. And uh, after that experience, I started talking to him and I said, how are you? How's your relationship with food? What's going on with your body? And I realized that every single woman that I spoke to had an interesting uh, relationship with food. We all had stories around food. And so that's how I started helping people. And today I, my mission in, in, in this lifetime is to really help empower women around food and body image. So that's my story.
0: Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, I can identify with a lot of different elements of your story. And um, I just have to, you know, applaud you for doing the work for hitting that rock bottom, but then finding your way out, you know, because I mean, it got me almost a little emotional just hearing that because it is, I've been there. I've been in the shower crying, praying to God, wanting to live a life not wanting to be in that life anymore and it's just beautiful to hear how once we ask for that help the support can come so rapidly if we're willing to like take that hand you know you mentioned that when you um were sexually abused it was the first time that you had left your body did Mm -hmm. you find that same type of disembodiment when you were binging as well
1: yes and um I may be in a little bit of a different camp when I talk about binge eating, so I just want to kind of acknowledge both sides. Yes, I had, I always say, when I struggled with binge eating, I had hundreds of of out-of-body experiences where I would get a craving and then I would essentially open my eyes and the next thing I knew, there was massive amounts of food in my body and I would say, like, what just happened? I think that after that experience, I I just continued, I sort of like would train myself to exit my body. And it's only really been in the last like year or two, maybe three years where I really come back in fully to like living in my body. But yeah, that was one of the ways in which I left my body and I could talk about binge more, but yeah, for sure.
0: I think that it's it's important for people to hear that because we all kind of have those experiences in different forms, you know. Mm-hmm. I certainly have had that experience and struggled with that as far as like drinking goes. Like I don't consider myself an alcoholic. However, I know that there are certain times where my intuition will be like don't do that, don't do that, don't do that and it'll be this out of body experience reaching mm-hmm. for whatever the alcohol is. And so one thing that i found is that when we first start doing that, though, when we first start not leaving our bodies, but intentionally coming home, coming back Mm -hmm. to our bodies, that it can be a really intense experience and it can be really uncomfortable. And so I'm curious over these past few years, how you have sat with yourself through the discomfort, how you have held space for yourself as you are welcoming, um, welcoming yourself back into your body and establishing it as a safe space for you to be again
1: totally that's a really good question i think first is just the acknowledgement that things have happened in my life in my world to my body that have been incredibly painful and traumatic and part of that is just accepting that that is also part of me so for example and that i'm not going to feel wonderful in my body all of the time so a good example of this is like when i i'm from new york city obviously i live in colorado now but when i go home to new york city as soon as they open the plane doors and i step out into jfk my body starts to feel sort of bloated, stuck, heavy, um, uncomfortable. And I've realized over the years that in a way, when I step out and I touch New York City soil, soil, my body remembers all the trauma that happened there. And so for me, part of it is saying, Hi body. Okay. Like I I know where you're at. Like we got this. Like I know you might not feel okay right now, but just know like you're okay and you're not doing anything wrong. It's just that you're having a certain experience that is making you feel this way. And our bodies, I truly believe are like, they're their own creatures. Like they're way smarter than what our minds make them out to be. And they know, and they remember things. So part of my experience of coming back into my body is really. Just acknowledging that I'm not always going to feel good. But then I think another thing that I've been playing around with lately is just my relationship with pleasure and really asking my body when it comes to feeling good, like what makes me feel good? And it could range from, I don't know, putting my face up to the sun to, you know, a certain way that my guy looks at me in the eyes. Like, you know, it, it, it has, as I said to a client this morning, it has colors, it has fabrics, it has different desires. The things I like today, I may not like tomorrow. So I think both pleasure and accepting that pain is part of our human experience and that's okay. We don't have to feel perfect or healthy all the time.
0: Mm, Yeah, I think that that's super powerful. And that has been the most helpful for me too, is that acceptance and that awareness, because the more that we do allow ourselves to feel, from my experience at least, the less intense the feelings become. And it is a practice, you know, when you have been shoving something down for so long and then it's the first time that you allow yourself to feel it, it fucking sucks. It does suck. There's no denying that. I mean, you can see and read Instagram stories and captions and posts all the time about love and light and thinking positively. But the bottom line is is that we do experience trauma and it Mm -hmm. doesn't feel good right okay that we not we not feel good all the time and i think that there is i think that there's definitely a reemergence in people being more aware of like the shadowy gooey sticky part of ourselves that doesn't feel yeah. so good and not just only focusing on the the love and the light and so i think totally. that it's it it is really important to have that space of acceptance
1: totally yeah it's been massive for me of just like understanding like yeah i'm not always going to feel good in my body and yeah. that's
0: okay So you mentioned in an article that you wrote about pleasure and satisfaction, and since you kind of just had brought it up, I'm curious to hear the importance of pleasure and satisfaction, specifically when it comes to how we relate to food, especially now during this time when we Mm -hmm. are I, at least for myself, I know that I'm reaching for carrot cake and croissants a lot more often than I usually would and totally. lots of different sugary items. Where Where's the balance where we allow in the pleasure and the satisfaction without overdoing it?
1: Totally. Yeah. So I always say the pleasure and satisfaction need to be super high on the totem pole in order for you to have a physically and mentally healthy relationship with food. And why I say this is because I think living in the age of In the era i guess of diet culture is like we are programmed and made to think that you know if you eat these salads you'll be happy you'll live a good long healthy life um and then on the side we're reaching for the cookies or reaching for the chocolate not not in a intuitive or balanced way but as a way to Because we're just, we don't have enough of those foods on a regular basis. And so when we have them, it turns into something that could feel really poisonous or toxic because you don't, you have no compass for how to eat those in an intuitive way. And so at the baseline, like when I work with clients, I always start first with if weight loss and diets and living this perfectly, having this perfectly healthy body is off to the side, what foods do you actually want? Like if we're not talking about that right now, if we're putting that to the side, what do you think you'll want? And we do we go through a whole thing. We go through like, what do you think you'll want out of carbs? What, what kind of sugars do you want? And then I teach people how to sort of incorporate that into your diet on a regular basis. Because if we don't eat enough of what we want, we're going to eat too much of what we don't want, right? Yeah. And so like a small example is last January, I went to Spain. And we went to this like very touristy part of Spain and the food was terrible there. Like I couldn't get good food from the grocery. The restaurant food was horrible. Like the food was just very low quality taste. And I ended up overeating at every single meal. I ended up kind of like teetering on binge eating. Came back, had gained some weight from that vacation. and. I had to do some thinking around that and realize, like, because satisfaction was so low on the totem pole and pleasure was so low, I ended up eating so much more. When you Mm -hmm. don't get the hit, the first bite or the second bite, because you're having too much of one food because of diet culture, you're much more likely to overdo it later on. Mm -hmm. So we have to go back to the kind of this core fundamental value of, like, eat food that you love and that you're actually into and put the weight loss stuff on the side, put the body size stuff on the side, because in the end, if you don't do that, people end up having very um, erratic behavior around food.
0: Can yeah, I explain that properly? Yeah, I- absolutely i mean i have seen and witnessed myself do that in on many occasions where oh. i will restrict myself in some way and then end up going to whole foods and buying a 20 pack of cookies and eating like right. half the cookies in there mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel it doesn't even the eating of the cookies doesn't feel as Satisfactory as it would have if I had had just like a more balanced playing ground. And so I would love to just dive into what intuitive eating is as a whole. I think people probably know by now a a good understanding of what it is, but I'm still a little, a little, I guess, gray and fuzzy on exactly how I can bring intuitive eating into my life.
1: Totally. Yeah. So it's so simple. Um, the way that I explain it is just eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, eat food that you love and eat food that feels good in your body. And it kind of like brings in all of the things with food, meaning like buy food that you love, but eat it in a way that feels really good for your body and honoring like just regular cues of hunger and fullness. So really what I do is, I don't believe that I know what you should eat better than you know what you should eat. So so my job is always to teach people how do you start tuning into your body? And the reason why this is so important is because we have this overabundance of health and wellness information out there today. Like if you wanted to, Ava, you could go on Pinterest or Instagram right now and you know, search 30 pound weight loss. And like you will find out what to do to lose 30 pounds or whatever, right? Anybody Mm -hmm. could do that. But It doesn't work. It doesn't work long term and it often creates more mental health issues around food. Mm. And I'm not even talking about eating disorders. I'm talking about it creates exactly what you were describing, like people eating whole boxes of cookies and not really understanding why. So intuitive eating is literally just rejecting diet culture and then eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, eat food that you love, like literally even if it's Chick-fil-A and eat it in a way that feels good in your body. Mm,
0: yes. Okay. So I'm curious though, if someone has absolutely no body awareness, so they don't uh-huh. know when they are hungry, they don't know when they are full, how can they you know, reestablish that relationship with their body so they can take those, those cues from um, their body?
1: Totally. That's such a good question. I always like to say, if you don't know when you're hungry and you don't know when you're full, set meal times. Like just wake up in the morning and I believe that people should truly eat within like 30 minutes of waking up 30 minutes to an hour tops. If you don't, you're, you're allowing your body to dip and whenever it dips, there's you're, later on you're always going to have high carb, high sugar cravings in a, in a small amount of time. So the best thing you can do is just set meal times and set snack times. As a baseline, it's really good to eat three meals and snacks in between, two or three snacks depending on how active you are. And then I believe one or more fun foods a day. So fun foods, just foods being for the sole purpose of pleasure and nothing Mm -hmm. else. But yeah, set a meal time, put a timer on your phone and have a breakfast and let it be, I always like to say like put every food group in there. So put fats in there, put carbs in there, put protein in there. And of course I love vegetables and I think everyone should eat vegetables and everyone should have access to vegetables. But again, that's not going to, that veggies in and of themselves are not what's going to sustain you long term mentally Mm
0: -hmm. so for someone that is vegan or vegetarian how do you recommend with the intuitive eating to best support their body and their health too because there is still a scientific necessity for certain types of proteins or foods or vitamins that we that we get and so I'm, I'm interested in like the blend of intuitive eating but also making sure that you are you know, covering your baselines. Like you said, with like the carbohydrates and sugars, if you do wait too long, you will experience those cravings. So where's the blend of intuition and science?
1: I think there's a lot of science behind intuitive eating that it works. It's good for long-term, meaning it can be really bumpy in the beginning, but after a while, it's smooth sailing forever. And if you look at the way that like babies eat, we're all born as intuitive eaters. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the way like babies eat, they will, you know, pull off a nipple, like just and stare off into space when they're full, right? So we mm-hmm. all know how to, and they'll cry when they want milk. We all have it in us. I think over time we've been, we've lost how to tune into it but I'm, i I want to understand your question. Tell me how it ties into like being vegan and tell me so no, no, no. i guess
0: I guess it's more just like the necessity to have different proteins to have different vitamins oh, yeah. to diet in a certain way and with obviously with certain diets it's more challenging to get it or you might not be getting certain things at all and so if someone wants to eat intuitively how I guess where I'm trying to figure out the best way to, to state this. I'm, I guess I'm just interested in how like science blends into it, where there's a side of it, you know, where you want to say eat intuitively, choose the foods, you know, that you want to eat. But then also it's like, you should also be getting these things too, because that is, this is fundamental for your body's um, performance.
1: Yeah. I think the protein, the fat and carbs are fundamental. Like that's the fundamental baseline you've got to be having that in every meal, even if you're vegan, right? Like find uh, non-animal protein and make sure you're getting enough of it. Find carbohydrates that don't have um, animal products in them. But essentially like all across the board, you need to have those food groups. And I say that because a lot of people that are restrictive, they may not be on the Atkins diet, right? But they may be eliminating carbs or for some people, Again, with vegan, it's tricky, right? Because like Yoga Girl is a good example. She's never struggled with an eating disorder. She's very pro-vegan. And I think it's wonderful. However, if you have a history of an eating disorder, it's going to be very hard to be vegan without that kind of stuff coming up. There's a threat of having that uh, come up and affecting your mental health. But either way, all across the board, always put protein, carbohydrates, and fat in every single meal and yeah. snacks should always be like you know combining so some people will say like hey I'll have an apple for a snack that's not enough right and i always say like snacks are the buffer between breakfast and lunch so they ensure that you don't go into a meal feeling super hungry because if you eat from a place of feeling super hungry you're much more likely to overeat or binge eat. so the way to eliminate that is using putting food into your body at least every two to three hours. Otherwise you dip. So having an apple and nuts or nuts and cheese or a bar of some sort or a smoothie that has, you know, fat and carbohydrates in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, your question? yeah, totally. 100%. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cause I mean, for, like my little sister, she just only loves eating sweet potatoes, which is so funny. And she's actually yeah. lost like decent amount of weight on sweet potatoes on, on the sweet potato diet. But it, I see how it could be problematic. If someone is resistant to eating protein or someone's resistant to eating carbohydrates for them to embrace this and not feel like they are doing wrong to their body in some sort of way. And I guess to give an example of that, I, when I first started healing my skin. I used to st- struggle with really, really bad cystic acne. Um, I was told to get rid of dairy, get rid of different fi- different types of fish, even. Like, all. Oh, I had a huge list, like probably like 40 or 50 different things. And at the same time, I was struggling with migraines. So I had a whole separate list of things. And I'm like, okay, cool. I can have water. Um, and I was so restrictive and so obsessed with what i was putting in my body that my skin actually ended up getting way worse Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the stress that i was putting on myself was far more detrimental than having a little bit of whatever the food was and then if i did have like cookies for an example Mm -hmm. i would again i would like binge eat a bunch of cookies because i hadn't had it for so long and then Mm -hmm. around i think summer of last year I finally was like, oh, a different, a different esthetician gave me permission to add gluten back in. She said, mm-hmm. I don't know. She was like, I don't know why you, you cut gluten out. That per- person shouldn't have told you to cut gluten. You're fine. Like you can have, wow. gluten. you can, you can also have dairy too. Just don't have like a, a shit ton of dairy. And I'm like, okay, all right, I'm going to try it. And my skin, I mean, my skin has been clearer than it ever has been. And I'm not restricting myself at all. And it wow. just like goes to show how how much our minds and how much the stress we put on our bodies can impact like all of the things that we're trying to work on whether it be weight loss or clear skin um you know the the stress and and the mental health element of it is huge
1: thank you for sharing that story because i love to hear from people firsthand i think right now there is a lot of talk around the elimination diet. And as I speak, I really don't want to um, unacknowledge anybody's pain that they may be going through in their body around. It could be literally anything, right? But there's sort of this new treatment with, you know, okay, we'll treat it with an elimination diet. And we forget to mention that our brains are not wired to be restricted around food in any way for a long period of time. When we do that, the side effect is mental health issues around food, and you may not, I don't know if this is true for you or not, but for a lot of people, they don't have a history of an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And then they start to experience mental health issues around food. And it's not that you're such a weakling, weakling you couldn't keep to this diet. It's that your brain isn't wired to be that way. And so we really have to start questioning our methods of healing. Because if someone, as a result of elimination diet for acne or whatever, or for any reason, is starting to experience mental health issues exactly like you are describing, this story is way too common, then it's not, it's not a good medicine, yeah. right? And so I just, I'm really grateful that you're sharing that because we have to start talking about this more, that there is a side effect of elimination diets and it's called mental health issues around food. And oftentimes that can perpetuate the exact problem that we're trying to fix.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's, it's, for me, it's just really scary because I continue to see it normalized and perpetuated on social media and so how can listeners that maybe have struggled with something similar to me or can really identify with what we what we've been sharing on how can they take back the the space that these diets or these trends have taken up in their own brains and really regain that normalcy around their relationship to food
1: Totally. I love this question. Okay. So here's just an indicator. If you are finishing whole boxes of cookies, if you are finishing whole bags of chips, if you're eating over your countertops, if you experience guilt, shame, self-deprecation of any kind near food, that is a red flag that you have ingested diet culture. That's like your red flag right there. Like, okay, I've ingested something in order for you to and again i say this in such a loving way like this is a safe non-judgmental loving conversation right if if that if you're experiencing symptoms like that or you feel you know even obsession with food or thinking about okay where is my next meal going to come from all that stuff is an indicator that you have been heavily influenced by diet culture so in order for you to make peace with food you have to stop dieting and when i say dieting i don't mean the Atkins diet i mean exactly what you were just describing. Like I went on this elimination diet. This is what diet culture looks like today. It could look like gluten-free, dairy-free, uh, the wellness diet as we're now learning as a thing, good food, bad food. You have to stop doing that. You have to stop engaging in accounts like that. You have to stop reading blog posts about that kind of stuff because you can't hear your own voice if, if you're hearing that, if you're reading that. Um, so the first thing is let go of diet culture stop trying to diet stop trying to restrict it's never going to end well and then the second thing to do is i would say take a trip to the supermarket give yourself an hour of time and go up and down every single aisle and if we're not doing the restriction or the dieting with their good food bad food look around ask yourself like what what am i craving what do i really really want because if you bring it back into your diet in a normal, consistent way, those foods will stop having power over you. So simple.
0: yeah. That's so powerful. I want to go do that today, actually, even though the grocery stores are a little stressful right now, but uh-huh. they are. <laughs> um, actually there is a, there's a nice organic market. That's like actually a safe haven for me. You walk in and all of the store or all of the produce is like right at the front. And so it's just like really bright and colorful. Um, so I like going in there. I might just go there later today. And I, and I absolutely love that. I think that it, it's, it is so powerful. And what I've found is so much just freedom and joy brought back into something that was super stressful, not just for myself, but for other people. And you know, granted, I know people have like celiac disease and have actual allergies to food. And so this obviously isn't a conversation where we're telling you to not to, to wow. ignore those things that you need to do. But this is for anyone, like you said, that has those red flags. And I think it's a big majority of us. And yeah. I've found that in rejecting that diet culture as best as i can you know as best That's as nice. i can as i'm as i'm healing all of or unlearning everything that i've experienced over the past 2 years that it has brought so much more joy to my life and then those around me too. Like, it makes me so happy that I can go to my dad's house, who is a chef. Like he literally helped Wolfgang Puck open up restaurants in the eighties or in the seventies in LA and go to his house and be like, yeah, I can have your creamy pasta. Yeah, I can have it. Bring it on, bring it on, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of going there and being like, nope, I can't have that. I can't have that. We can't go there. You know, I, it just, it has brought food for me is something that is joy and And to have had a period of my life where it wasn't joy just makes me, it makes me more grateful for being where I am
1: today. For sure. It is joy. You know, food is the bridge between you and dad, right? Mm -hmm. We forget that food is connection. It's community. It's tradition. It's family. It's love. It's pleasure. Um, It's all of those things. And if we can bring that back into our diet, I truly believe that the way that it's the food, no matter if it's, even if it's creamy pasta or whatever it is, is, is digested and metabolized in a very different way than if we, before we even put it into our mouth, we're saying, don't eat this. You shouldn't have that. This is bad. This isn't going to land well, all dot, dot, dot. Right. So yeah, bring it back, bring it back into your diet in a way that's very peaceful
0: yeah I love that, and you know while you were sharing that, it kind of reminded me you know the joy, the connection the community, all of those things that we can find in embracing food in this peaceful way and bringing it back in is they're really the underlying emotions of why we 're dieting in the it's mm-hmm. why we want to look a certain way or you know do do some, some sort of diet in the first place. And so if you can find that without torturing yourself or putting your body through intense stress, I'll take that, please.
1: Totally. Yeah. I think we have this like common sort of thing where it's like, we want the thin body so we could feel more connected. Right. But we don't realize, or we want to be more beautiful, whatever people are doing to shrink, women are doing to shrink themselves. What we don't realize is like, the body that you have right now is the only body that's ever going to matter. And this is the body that you're going to have for the rest of your life. You know, obviously it changes and we go through physical transitions and stuff like that. But the moment to live in this body is now. It's not in a thinner body. When I lose the weight, when I become better with food, right? It's it's happening right now. So, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: This experience, I think, highlights more than ever just how fragile life truly is and how important it is to be present, to be in a state of gratitude for your own health and your own body. Um, Every single curve, every single pimple, whatever it is, all your freckles, like now is the time to really, really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I think even there was something you mentioned about, you know, like now in the beginning, like we were talking about how you know we have more than more time than ever to think about food and um, people are people are going through this coronavirus really struggling with food a lot of people and I think some of that is you know if you were so restrictive before coronavirus and now it's like this massively stress thing happened in and, and all of our lives right like we've all interpreted as stressful in many different ways right it's it's a huge transition then diets and restriction are really not sustainable for that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's another reason why I think it's a really good time to s- start the practice of intuitive eating, right? Yeah, yeah um, Start to include all foods back into your diet because, hey, then if another stressful event happens, which scary as it is we'll go through a lot of stress and transitions before we die that's part of having a human experience then you're not going to feel like food is taking over
0: yeah exactly exactly Soshi, I have enjoyed this conversation so much. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. For everyone that's listening, where can we find you? How can we stay up to date with everything you're doing?
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. And thank you for being open to this conversation. I know sometimes it's a little different and outside the box. So I really appreciate you having it with me. People can find me. I hang out on Instagram a lot. And my Instagram name is Soshi Adelstein. So it's S-O-S-H-Y-A-D-E-L-S-T-E-I-N. I I am also a virtual coach for women all over the world that want to make peace with food and their bodies. And um, you can reach out to me uh, through embodynutrition.com. Will you link it on the bottom?
0: Yes, we will. Yeah.
1: And I host monthly intuitive eating virtual potluck. So if you want to learn more about the practice of intuitive eating, I host that. Right now it's virtual. Hopefully it can be back to in real life, but um, you can find out about that through Instagram. So thank you and come connect with me. Yes, I love it. Thank you again for coming on. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. Thank you.